This story caught my eye, so this is where we're going to start this afternoon. Uh, we know that they look pretty cute, but we also know that they can cause some real grief for years. It's been pretty rare to spot one of them in Alberta, but that's kind of changing. According to the University of Alberta, raccoons have recently been spotted in and around Edmonton, outside of Grand Prairie, and even up in the Northwest Territories. Dr. Colleen Cassidy-St. Clair is a professor of biological sciences at the University of Alberta, and uh, she studies um, urban wildlife life. Uh, welcome back to the show. Great to have you here. Oh, hello, Jalen. Thank you for having me. It is good to be back. All right. Um, so raccoons, um, I was shocked to see on our security camera last winter. There was last winter a raccoon. Uh, we live in the very deep southwest edge of the city. And I thought, no, that can't be true. Alberta doesn't have raccoons. <laughs> and then I found out <laughs> otherwise. Colleen, what is kind of the, the raccoon population in our province right now? Oh, nobody knows, Jalen. Nobody knows how many there are. Um, they've been spotted around Edmonton for a long time, over 25 years. Hmm. But they haven't been common, and it does seem that reports of raccoons around the fringes of Edmonton in all directions, southwest, southeast, northeast, northwest, uh, are coming in periodically. And there are even some reports from quite centrally within Edmonton. There's uh, one from just north of me near the university. Oh, wow. Well, that's very central. Yeah. I think one of the stories I was watching or was reading actually caught on camera, not just a single raccoon, but a whole family of them. So, and, and, and that would be typical for them that they, they, they kind of, they're, they're community driven, aren't they? Yeah, they're actually kind of solitary as individuals, okay. but they, they have families of kits, usually yeah. three to five, and they hang around with their mom for a while learning all the raccoony tricks, <laughs> and, and then they disperse, and they're uh, pretty long-lived animals, and they're very, very innovative, so they're good at figuring out how to live in all kinds of different environments and take advantage of all kinds of human things, food and shelter. Yeah, very, very smart. You have called them urban exploiters. Tell us what you mean by that. <laughs> well, that term wasn't coined by me. It uh, has been given to other wildlife along a gradient or a continuum, if you will, of urban exploiters being the ones that are really good at living in cities. You know, pigeons come to mind and adapters being ones that can live in cities, but, you know, don't really increase in number. Maybe chickadees would be an example. Mm -hmm. And then the avoiders, the species that uh, we worry about, that they're, they're declining partly because of urbanization all over the world. So here in our part of the world, some of the wary carnivores like, uh, you know, fishers maybe would be an example of an urban avoider. All right. Um, Colleen Cassie St. Clair joining me this afternoon as we talk about raccoons and what's going on with raccoons in the province and around. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in what's happening around our region. So a lot of us find them cute, Colleen, but they cause real grief. What, what are some of the challenges presented by raccoons in a community? <laughs> well, the list of complaints against raccoons usually starts with um, some kind of destruction to houses. So they don't just take advantage of little little gaps to get under a deck or something like that. They will also rip boards off of the sides of buildings or fascia. And they're seeking a warm place to, to den as just shelter from the weather kind of year-round. They, they kind of uh, go into a dormant period in winter. But also they like those spaces to have their, their litters. Mm. 
So that's number one complaint is they're really messy and, and quite destructive. And number two is probably that they, uh, they'll they eat almost anything. And, and so they cause quite a bit of damage to uh, anything edible. And that includes all kinds of, of fruit and vegetables, of course. But they'll also go after pet food. And, and they make a big mess when they're doing it. And they're really fond of garbage. So they strew that all over the place. And then the third complaint would be uh, maybe the most serious one. They carry quite a nasty parasite, uh, a roundworm called uh, Bailus ascaris. Mm. And they're very likely to have this parasite. It's, it's super prevalent in raccoon populations, and it can infect both people and dogs. So that's probably the most worrisome thing about having a raccoon uh, living in your house or even in your yard. Doctor, have you ever seen that video? I think it went viral, um, you know, maybe about six months, a year ago of that fellow feeding hot dogs like wieners to about 40 raccoons on his back porch. Have you seen that? Oh, I haven't, but that's horrifying. What a terrible problem he's creating for all his neighbors and, uh, you know, much broader than his neighbors. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. I'll look for it. And, 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 that's, and that's the thing. And I think, you know, when we talk about um, you know, urban wildlife, when we take a look at, you know, you, you and I have talked numerous times about um, coyotes, coyotes, and now, you know, we start to talk about raccoons more. I think that's one of the things that we need to, to remember is things like you don't feed these animals, just like, you know, when when you go to the national park, gosh, stay away from the bears. Don't let those animals get used to you. Yeah, you're so right. I couldn't have said that better myself, Jalen. That is the number one contributor to conflict with wildlife of every sort is feeding them. It causes them to aggregate. It causes them to lose their fear of people. And those two things make them much more prone to conflict. And if they're a carnivore, that is also kind of signing their death warrant. Mm -hmm. If they're really bold around people, they, they will be destroyed. So how do we, if, if this population is growing, and again, we haven't seen, you know, it is growing, but it's not like um, we're seeing raccoons walk up and down the streets every day, like in my backyard at my brother's house is, uh, has been a, an interesting place, but that's in Ontario, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was sitting on the porch one day and one just walked right behind me. I was like, what is that? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it was, he had no fear. But we're, so we're not there yet we're, we're not there so should we be taking should the city should the be pro, should the province um you know just us be taking preventative or preemptive measures to control population yeah i think we should but i would name it as a harm reduction strategy not an eradication mm. strategy they're here they're abundant enough that getting rid of raccoons would be probably nearly impossible and they would easily reintroduce themselves from traveling on trains or transport trucks but if we approached it with a harm reduction strategy to just try to limit the increase in the population and limit their invasion of cities um, not just Edmonton, but all the other cities in the province, we would spare people the kind of property damage and, and risk of parasites that other cities grapple with quite a lot. You said traveling on trains and trucks. Now I'm thinking to myself that the raccoon population that is here, they're just having more babies. And so that's how uh, we're getting more of them in the province and around the region. Where do trains and trucks come into play? Well, that's my guess is how they are making it to these uh, urban areas like Grand Prairie. Uh, it's been uh, documented by others that they they hitch rides pretty readily on 
<laughs> on trains in particular. And that's not so surprising because uh, trains often are carrying grain, they yes. spill grain, and, and not just wheat and barley, but, you know, all the other kinds of grains and lentils and corn and so on. Raccoons are really fond of corn, so a train that's carrying corn is definitely going to attract raccoons, and they've always got a bit of spillage on their sills, and so that would be one way that they would travel with trains. And then they get to another destination and, and hop off and think, hmm, Geez, doesn't seem here. to be any other raccoons. Maybe I'll uh, set up shop. And again, I think it's important to note these 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 critters. They're, they're smart. They're they 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 can. I was reading about them today. They can what solve tests. They have an IQ level up around the same as a monkey. Yeah, they've been equated to sort of three-ish-year-old humans in their problem-solving ability. And there's a fascinating <laughs> paper that just came out last month showing that. Uh, the raccoons that are most exploratory and best at solving these puzzle boxes that that researchers, you know, this is a fun kind of thing researchers get to do. They build puzzle boxes for raccoons <laughs> and figure out which personalities are best at solving them. And interestingly, it wasn't the boldest raccoons. It was the shyest ones. So the shy, slow explorers, you know, that just sit there in the corner with the Rubik's Cube. I can figure this out. I know I can. I can figure this out. And they do. And... Uh, so they're, <laughs> it might be the stealthiest of the raccoons that are most likely to invade new locations. Fascinating stuff. Before I let you go, what should we do if we spot one? What if one shows up on a security cam? What if you're out in the yard and, and you might happen to see one again? They're pretty you know, nocturnal, but what, if, what, what, what do you do? Who should you report it to? Yeah, thanks for asking. Well, the City and Fish and Wildlife don't have tremendous interest in collecting all these records, but a group that does is iNaturalist, um, so the, the letter I, the naturalist, uh, would love to hear those reports, and anybody can create an account and describe their raccoon sighting or any other sighting with a photo, and then that will let researchers well into the future track the the movement, the distribution, the abundance in this species and any other species. And if people want to, they can send their observations to me. I'll, I'll find them fascinating for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Dr. Colleen Cassidy-St. Clair joining us this afternoon. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, fitting us in this afternoon. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you in turn. Yeah, take care. All right, raccoons, they are, yeah, increased sightings showing that they're moving further north, that there's uh, more reports of them around the Edmonton region, around the Capital region, up as far as Grand Prairie, even up into the Northwest Territories. Now, the fact is, is that I was, I think I was reading today that raccoons are in every province except, is it Labrador? Uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, I think. That's what I read today, or it was Labrador, one or the other. Anyway, 